0: All right, we are back. How's everyone doing? And again, the transition doesn't work, despite the fact that I fixed it.
1: Okay. Well, (laughs) hello, everyone. Going well. It's always Stella.
0: Welcome to another episode of Through Our Eyes podcast, which totally comes with added extra technical difficulties. Um, Oh, yeah we I will hand it straight over to uh, our lovely co-host to introduce you to the through our eyes project what it's all about i'm sorry did i sure. put you on the spot there
1: that's, <laughs> no that's okay my brain has been on everything else but that's fine hello everyone welcome in to this next episode of the through our eyes podcast yes the through our eyes podcast started last Beginning of 2021, essentially, when I wanted to try and use the platform that I had to speak to marginalized creators and communities and try and learn more about things I didn't know about and thus things other people might not know about and ask those really awkward questions that you really want to know the answers to, but you really don't want to ask that question. So we started the streams and we interviewed a lot of wonderful people, raised a lot of money for charity. And uh, then we very rightly realized that having uh, 30 guests over 10 hours is great, but you don't really get to know anyone individually. And so Dragthony and I put together the Through Our Eyes podcast where we bring on individual creators and people from the games industry for a uh, two-hour conversation where we get to learn about people specifically.
0: Yeah. um, So obviously with this being a podcast recording, uh, the alerts are hopefully off. Um, and uh, if you wish to submit any questions uh, for our current guest, uh, there is a Channel Points Redemption in the chat. Um, we won't be uh, interacting too much directly with the chat, because obviously we want to focus on the topic that we're discussing uh, and to make sure that our guest is given the the ample time and, and uh, attention uh, that they deserve. So, speaking about our guest, Hello, would you like to introduce yourself, your handles, what you do, um, and and your pronouns please?
2: I can do that, yes. <laughs> uh, so hi everyone, my name's Rosie, uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a comms officer and community manager for a mental health charity in the games industry called Safer In Our World. Um, I, f- I feel like I can't really say I'm a dreamer anymore because it's been a while. <laughs> But i want i will get back there it's just I've, I've had this like weird you know six months of moving house and then like kind of being in limbo of everything so i've not really done anything um but yeah occasional streamer and um podcaster as well so it's really nice to be on a fellow podcast
0: <laughs> all right and
2: uh why are you here today well, I mean, firstly, because um, I was very nicely invited. So thank you <laughs> uh, for, for inviting me to come on. Um, I actually knew or I know Pan from um, charity life, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which is always nice. So um, uh, it's we've kind of done a podcast swap at this point, which is lovely, mm. uh, because we actually first started chatting um, back. Ago. Oh, I don't even know when it was at this point
1: earlier this year sometime
2: <laughs> sometime in 2022 uh, <laughs> about the crossover that we both have within within charity work and games which is awesome um and so i'm i guess i'm here to talk about what i talk about all the time anyway but what i get paid to do <laughs> which is great is talk about mental health um specifically within the gaming industry and within games video games the creator lifestyle like everything really um so yeah i guess that's that's why i'm here but i'm i'm really excited to chat about like the specifics and about your thoughts as well on on this topic gosh that's that's a first
1: <laughs> we, we, thinking, i, I want to hear we, we, don't, we,
2: <laughs> we don't we don't usually get our star a <laughs> video Listen, it's two podcasts coming
1: to—they're
2: coming together. I'm going to ask you questions too. Good point. Good point. Is that allowed? Oh God, we're on the spot now. Am I ruining the system? (laughs) Oh dear.
0: Well, before we get over excited about that and uh, get distracted by actually uh, 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 the promise of uh, being interrogated, um, we would first like to hear a little bit about your story uh, give us the the lowdown of of your experience and uh, and why it got you to to this point
2: sure yeah um so mm, I've always been passionate about mental health um but it's kind of very much been um, a, a topic that was discussed a lot more during the pandemic of course um, and I've always kind of experienced poor mental health in a way um so I guess in oh god I don't even know what year it will be but when I was at school um I was having a, a bad time I'm not gonna lie like it was um it was a really difficult time and at that point it wasn't really discussed at schools in education about like how to look after yourself and especially during like anyone who's been through any sort of academia knows the amount of pressure that it can put on people um which is why i'm never going back to academia <laughs> um, just because that. It's just, yeah <laughs> oh god like <laughs> i have a lot of respect for people who can do it but i i can't and i there's a lot of flaws in the system that i think need to be worked out before it's a safe place for people to go mental health wise um but basically it all kind of um swelled into a, a massive breakdown as it usually does. Um and then I decided actually I probably need to get some help with this. I uh I don't think I can do it by myself anymore, which is we took like six years too long. <laughs> uh but we got there in the end. And that's the most important thing. Um and so I started on medication. I went to university. I was like, oh my God, this is awful. It's like a great time, but also awful. I don't understand. Like it's uh very conflicting. Um and so I was kind of confused because everyone, you know, was saying like university is meant to be the best time of your life. Or well, they said school's meant to be the best time of your life. And then I was like, well, maybe the other ones are right about university. Went to university. Wasn't the best time of my life. I was like, I feel like I've been lied to. And then um and then I uh, suffered a, a loss, um, an unexpected loss, um, from one of my flatmates and friends at the time. And it shook everyone um, within our space. But um, I I don't know why, but it really affected me to the point where I started having kind of like regular panic attacks, more so than usual. Um, They'd happen like every time I was out with people or like at at university in lectures on the bus, like it was terrible. Um, And so... I've got a point to this, I promise. (laughs) And then um, after, after all of that happened, I, um, I had to really take a step back and like actually take some time for myself, which is when I got heavily back into gaming. Um, I've always kind of been a gamer and like played a lot uh, and I used to like play um or watch my brother play games um because I wasn't allowed to touch the controllers <laughs> um, or I could be watching him play Spyro or The Hobbit or um The Sims um, and so I always loved them but I never really had too much time to play them by myself um, and so I took a, a PlayStation to uni uh with me and discovered like all of these games. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I found flatmates that also loved games. And so it just be- kind of became this safe haven and a space that was actually really hard to navigate Um, with the added pressure of grieving, with being in education in um, a place that does not really support people with mental health issues, um, which I figured out after I went to the uh student counsellor and I said like, oh, I need help. And they were like, cool. We'll put you on the wait list. And I was like, okay, how long's the wait list? They were like, two years. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, I won't be here in two years, but thank you for that. Uh so I, I kind of like fell into games a lot to to lean on them as a support mechanism. And after university, I I started working in charity. Um, not this charity. I started working in a first aid charity. And that was about a year before the pandemic started. And so I was having a great time. I just moved to London. I was like, oh my God, this is really cool. I am in a job where I feel like I'm really, you know, hitting my stride with this. I'm in a in a city that I'm really enjoying and I get to go into the centre all the time and like, oh my God, this is awesome. I got to do events as part of that. I was the like coordinator for the New Year's Eve on embankment, like the fireworks and was for like Notting Hill Carnival and um, Wimbledon and stuff. And it was, it was awesome. And then COVID happened and all of that went away and I didn't get made redundant, but uh, my role had to essentially massively change in order to keep me in employment. And so we moved into like the, um, the national response of, um, first aid and support. And I ended up um coordinating the volunteers for the Nightingale Hospital in Excel. Um which was terrifying and really wild and really quite harrowing uh being there, which uh as you can imagine probably didn't help. Um like the general unease of the whole country, or well, the whole world at that point, right? Um and so yeah, mental health took a tumble and then I decided actually, you know what, maybe I'll just put everything into my job. And that's when it became a real problem because I was taking advantage of um the fact I was using all of this negative energy to put into working myself into overdrive. Um I started having panic attacks again at work. Um I got incredibly, incredibly depressed. (laughs) And um yeah, it was probably the worst time of my life. And then I decided I needed to leave that job for the for the sake of my own mental health and at the time in XL, I met someone who was a trustee for the for Safe in Our World and we got chatting about The Last of Us, I think it was, part two had just come out. We were like, oh my god, this is so exciting. We love The Last of Us. And she was like, oh, that's cool. I work or I, I'm an, uh, a trustee for a charity called Safe in Our World, which is all about mental health and games. And I was like, I'd never considered that before. That's really interesting. And she was like, well, Mm, there's a job coming up if you want it. And I was like, oh my God, this is meant to be. Tell me more. And uh, here we are. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's now coming up nearly two years. It'll be two years in a couple of weeks of working with SAFE uh, and being able to talk very openly about mental health and trying to promote wellbeing in in teams um, instead of kind of suffering on the other end of that. So it's it's been a wild journey. <laughs> but um a really worthwhile one for me, and I feel like I've I've done a lot, um, but not not a lot at the same time. Um, But yeah, (laughs) that's a very long-winded way of saying now what I do.
0: (laughs) I mean, no, no, we asked uh, for a start. Um, But um, you said that uh, at the end of uh, your last job that your mental health was taking a dive. You did also seek help during that period or was it just the change that helped solve that
2: Uh, honestly a lot of it was being um pushed from my job so because of the thing that I was doing and because I was working in a hospital basically for a while but not really I was I was asked to move to a hotel and I was there for about six weeks and it was just by myself in a hotel room it was very bleak um and that was a huge factor in being able to like make me feel terrible and that was when I decided I needed to leave and then after that we I got to move back home for a bit and um we got a cat which honestly helped a lot <laughs> god babe, rest of soul graham I miss you so much <laughs> oh blah, but um but, yeah, so that helped a lot, and I was able to get my medication again because at the time it like everything was closed. it was chaos. I was living in a hotel, I couldn't really get my medication, I couldn't sort out anything um, and so, having that sense of normality gave me then a push to be able to be like, "I can apply for other jobs, I can do this now, I'm working from home i I'm like seeing a different environment for the first time. I'm not having twelve hour days in an office by myself um and that was huge and fundamental to me, um, being able to make that change. So yeah, it was kind of a combination of a lot of different things. Um, but yeah.
0: <laughs> and are you still
2: on medication? I am. Yes. I, um, I think I will be for a long time, to be honest. It's uh it's been a bit of a journey for me. Um, I've been on a lot of different types. <clears throat> oh, my voice decided to go. Um, <laughs> So if anyone's not been on medication before um, in chat or anything like it's especially with with antidepressants specifically, they don't know very much about them. Um, And so I basically got told that when I first went to the doctor and I was like, hey, and he was like, you probably are depressed and have anxiety. I was like, "Okay, now what? And he was like, well, we can give you some medication. I was like, all right, cool. What what one? And he was just like, well, we don't know yet. Like it might it might not work out. We'll just try. It's basically trial and error. And I was like, excuse me, you're a medical professional. Are you sure? And he was just like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, that's how it works. And so it was a whole journey of, uh, of going through that. Um, but I am still on medication. Um, and it's been a life changer, probably a lifesaver for me personally. I know there's a lot of bad rep around medication. Um, but ultimately for me, it's, it's putting my brain in a mindset where i'm able to think a little bit more clearly it doesn't fix or cure anything but it makes you you know it, it evens things out enough for you to be able to make a change so
0: yeah i think uh uh between uh, uh all of us uh, uh um uh, here uh, uh, on the podcast uh, we've probably uh, done a whole range of off on yeah. trying this one that one this. One. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I'm assuming other people have just been like, oh, I don't need these anymore. I'll just come off them. And it's like the worst mistake you've ever done in your life.
0: <laughs> I mean, I
2: didn't titrate off too
0: quickly and, and cause myself major issues <laughs> and I'm still recovering from that one and wondering why I chose that decision at all. no. Don't I don't worry about me neither.
2: It's so weird.
1: <laughs> Whereas I can cold turkey off medications with no problems, which is weird, but I only attribute that to being in so much pain and weird medical or like mental distress all the time anyway that I didn't notice. <laughs> um because yeah, I came off of really enough after having been on it for 10 years, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went back on it as of three or four months ago. Um, because I think a lot of people think that depression is just really bad, sad. And it's not really bad. It can be really bad, sad, but there's lots of other things. And I mean, for me, it manifested, at least when I was having a very bad time, as just complete emptiness, just nothingness. Like, not even anger. Like, anger would have been nice, but it was just a nope.
2: Complete apathy. Just a
1: nope. Yeah. And so it was, that's the point where I was like, I I need to get some help with this again, because you can't just keep feeling absolute nope. Nope. I would rather be sad or angry to give me an emotion to process. But uh-huh. having a lack of emotion is definitely a problem.
2: That's yeah, because you start not to care, right? Yeah. <laughs> for me, that's what the search
0: did. Mm. So, So
1: <laughs> Yep, it's different it's like... for every person.
0: Like, yeah, great, so I can choose whether to be off of the medication and have woo -woo, (laughs) or I can choose to be on the medication where maybe it helps, or maybe it gives me all of these long list of uh, other things that uh, I have to deal with, and uh... yeah, uh, I mean, we could probably have a two-hour conversation purely on medication alone, uh, and the uh, 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 medical uh, state of things but uh that's not what we're here for so
1: (laughs) just before we carry on i do have another thing i just wanted to point out because obviously normally when we start these podcasts track we end up going and what does this mean for anyone that doesn't understand and i know that obviously from speaking to rosie in the past what some people don't seem to understand about mental health is that everyone has it whether it's good or bad so a lot of people say well i've never had mental health it's like um I mean, you have a brain you, no <laughs> so you have it's just been good so yeah yes yeah, so when people experience periods of sort of like bad mental health what can that look like for some people like how would they be able to tell for those people that don't think they actually have mental health
2: i mean it's it's hard to tell because if you've maybe if you've had poor mental health your whole life you might think that you're fine because you've never done any different, which is always a bit scary to think about. (laughs) Um, But I think it's being, you know, offset to the point where you change your daily life because you're affected by it so much. Um, And that can be in ways that you might not recognize at first. Like I, I didn't think I was so in denial about like being depressed for so long. I was just like, no, I'm just having, I'm I'm in a phase. Uh, and then I was like well actually it's been like four years maybe I'm not actually in a phase um but it really depends from person to person like for some I'm like we were talking about this very briefly before the start of the podcast but I'm currently looking into ADHD um diagnosis because it's um not something I ever considered um for myself until I started seeing all of these other people who were People who are adults with ADHD talking about their own symptoms and how they have seen ADHD manifest within themselves. And I was like, oh my God, I relate to so many of these. Like, I just thought this was just me. (laughs) Actually, that's like a neurodivergent thing. That's really interesting. Um, And so I think for a lot of people who maybe haven't considered, um, you know, having mental health issues, perhaps talking with other people is, is a great step to kind of figure out maybe what is quote unquote normal, what's healthy. Um, and maybe what you could probably do with changing or supporting yourself with, uh, because sometimes it's really hard to identify self-destructive habits. Um, if it's just you who's noticing them, cause you probably don't think that they're an issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's my opinion. I don't know. It, it, again, it, it manifests differently for everyone. Um, but just keeping track, and if you're a journaler, journaling is helpful to be able to track things like moods and you know. Um, but but yeah, I don't want to ramble too much. <laughs> I'm very good at that. Why did you invite me on the podcast?
0: It's okay. We've got two hours. Please ramble. <laughs>
1: you're all good. You're all good. <laughs> did you know that rambling is a sign of ADHD? <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Honestly, my ADHD assessment was a fucking nightmare because the woman kept looking at me going, "Cage, I'm trying to take notes. Could you stop talking? And I was like, have you got your answer yet? <laughs> Susan. Like, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I Six or seven times. And I'm just like, sorry. Whoops.
0: I think that's probably one of the hardest parts of uh, doing a podcast as well. Both uh, um, uh, Pan and I are quite... Uh, A rambly people, Uh, (laughs) and and then there's a a case where we're sat in a podcast going, we need to focus on this one question, (laughs) long enough, and not interrupt, and not go off topic. Oh, why are we talking about constipation? How is this happening?
2: I always get that or like with the guest they'll be talking about something and it's like oh I have a really long anecdote that I could tell them but it's probably not really relevant and I probably shouldn't do that but also I could do that and then it'll actually engage the conversation and then it's really hard to refrain and jump in and stop them talking because they're making a really good point and you just want to talk about something dumb. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's why probably most of the time I look kind of like I'm phased out is because I'm spending the entire time going <laughs> hmm mm-hmm. don't say it don't, don't say, say it, it. <laughs> don't
2: say it don't <laughs> exactly <laughs> but
0: i think that that topic brings us nicely onto our next question of uh why is mental health an important topic to discuss
2: well i think um as pan put it very well everyone has mental health and um whether that's good or bad and so I think it's like pretty much everyone will experience poor mental health at some point in their life. Um, And so from a purely like statistical point of view, it's important because you're going to know about it, Um, whether that's, you know, through yourself or through people you love or people, you know, um, and being just, you know, a general good person um empathy is a good thing to have (laughs) and so learning about mental health talking about it and destigmatizing is is ultimately going to make the world a safer place for people who are really in a vulnerable position um a lot of people I think and it's still around it's that kind of thing is if someone's depressed or if someone is um suicidal then it's you know everything is frustrating annoying or they're attention seeking until the worst happens and then it's like a tragedy right and so there's never any prevention it's just uh, oh no this happened that's very sad we should do more about this and then nothing changes so it's um it's incredibly important for for us to be talking about this topic especially during one of the most like significant mental health declines in the country and probably in the world um over the last few years especially with the pandemic now with you know the cost of living (laughs) and everything um i know that it's not just about you know hereditary factors that can affect your mental health there are other things there are external stimuli that Mm. will affect you uh and even just learning about emotional resilience can be so important to people so it's like something that's embedded in our entire lives. Um, and so many things are connected, uh, that you don't realize at first. And so like even, so for example, um, obviously my mental health, uh, nosedived after, um, I was experiencing a bereavement. You can't control that in your life. And I'm sure everyone will have or has experienced bereavement before. Um, And that is something that obviously can very much affect your mental health and your well-being. So it's, um, it's kind of everywhere (laughs) right now, which is why we need to talk about it, which is why we need to be more emotionally resilient, which is why we need to be there for each other and support each other before tragedies happen, before like these things get taken to somewhere where they can't come back from. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, for me, it's just being a, um, it's not empathetic. Well, it is, but like a reasonable human being, (laughs) uh, (laughs) accounting for other people's feelings and, um, trying to make the world a little bit of a better place, I guess.
0: And the thing is, is that, as you were saying, like, um, with the fact that it's now an increasing issue for a lot of people, um, the more average joe, so to speak, will actually be becoming more aware of the fact that they themselves are as prone to it as anyone else. Um, it's better to talk about these things in an open and honest way, rather than continuing to perpetuate that oh, you're a Debbie Downer, or or whatever, you're various uh, assumption is or just you know just get on with it kind of attitude when yeah. increasingly more and more it's it's going to be a huge increasing issue um especially on like health services and and just generally uh businesses trying to operate around an, an ever increasing and uh um developing uh uh mental health uh decline it's uh <laughs> it's one of those things that we really should talk about before it gets to that point
2: yeah, yeah, exactly, um because it has a knock on effect as well, like you know, obviously the more people in who are hospitalized for mental health, um I'm not trying to make this sound like a bad thing it's just coming out wrong, but like it's everything adds pressure to an already boiling pot. And um, we have the capability to educate and support each other and and not have to necessarily push a system over the edge to be able to help people. and I think we should use it and and help each other. Like there's so much information out there. There's so much going on. And yet people still are like, oh, but mental health, I don't really want to talk about that. Scary, boo, hiss. And that's kind of why I want to talk about it in more of a positive way, because it's like it does not have to be this really serious conversation that you have with someone in a dark room with a cup of tea and all the lights are off. Like it doesn't have to be terrifying. Well maybe not. Like cold water. (laughs) Lukewarm water. (laughs) Even worse. But it's like it whenever I talked about it at school, it was like I was brought into an office and sat down and it was incredible I was like sweating, nervous. I could barely speak because oh my god, this is really intense. I don't want to talk about it in this sort of setting. Like, can we not just go for a walk and chat quickly and briefly about it and like I was like shamed for my humour. That was a huge coping mechanism for me. And it is for us it still is and it's it is for a lot of people. And it's like not necessarily a bad thing. It's about being able to talk about a very serious topic in a more lighthearted way and encourage other people to join in that conversation rather than gatekeep the conversation around mental health, which is something that th- that does happen. Um, because I think people get nervous about terminology and nervous about getting it right and, and not, not saying the wrong thing to the point where they don't say anything at all, which is, which is an issue as well. So mm. it's, um, it's important to embrace people learning about this topic and, um, allowing each other to learn from each other and like things change over time as well. Um, so yeah, it just be more accepting of, of, of helping other people, um, learn about a, a huge topic in our life
1: <laughs> and a period of poor mental health doesn't necessarily equate to mental illness and mental illness isn't an inherently bad thing i do think mm-hmm. a lot of people are scared to talk about mental health because of popular media um and how often it is that mental health and mental illness is stigmatized going back you know 70 80 years into a lot of older films like in things like the original Invisible Man film where they were like oh he's gone mad and he's drunk these things and now he's killing people it must be because he's a mad man it's like no dude poisoned himself like that's you know he might be yeah. acting a bit strange he literally poisoned himself and then you go on to Psycho which was a man without any support system having lost a parent and then having no idea how to cope and uh, it, you know obviously it's interesting because it's a horror villain but all it does is demonize somebody that had mental health needs
2: yeah absolutely um, it's so. like if you ever saw any tragedy in the news the first thing you would hear from usually you know parents or friends was oh i bet they had something wrong with them in the head and it's like mm-hmm. why are you saying that like yeah. people don't need to like sometimes people are just dickheads <laughs> yeah and that's okay you don't it's it's always the connection between this person did something inherently evil therefore they must be mentally ill and often that's not the case, and it also it associates this terrible stigma with people who maybe do have that condition that function perfectly fine and have no issues with that. It's always about like the 1% that people hang on to. Um, and it's the same thing with video games and the stigma that video games make you violent, video games make you um, sit in your room by yourself and in a dark room, and, and it's really sad and depressing. And it's like, actually... <laughs> have you thought that that's uh, my solution to having to deal with you lot?
0: That... <laughs> <laughs> um, um but on the front of uh, um the attitude towards uh mental health um i i i wouldn't actually say that it is particularly media that is driving this i think it is a, a, in like a a in my experience at least, and from what I've heard a lot of uh, other people talk about, it's actually like a passed down uh stigma uh, of, of it. Um when I started suffering from my mental health uh, uh, issues, um the person that that stopped me wasn't wasn't media, it wasn't it wasn't uh um uh friends judging me, it was the fact that my mother was the one telling me no, don't say anything because it'll go on your permanent medical record and you'll never get a job. Now that's... that's more of a familial... It, uh, uh, like, stigma that's passed down through generations of- of how the older generations have been led to believe that showing any kind of weakness is is a detriment um to to their potential careers um i don't think that's something that's like media uh um instilled that's 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 a
2: long-running like societal yeah 100 yeah. percent. like yeah. my um when i told my grandma that i was going on medication i thought it was a win i was like oh my god i'm finally gonna do something about this and she was like oh rosie oh that's not good and i was like wait <laughs> what <laughs> And she was just mortified that I have to take medication, that I can't just make myself better by, like, getting some vitamin D and going for a walk. Um, so, yeah, it's it's 100%, uh, I, I think, a mix of societal, but I think also media is influenced by society yeah. too. So it's kind of like those two interconnecting all the time.
0: Yeah, it yeah, wasn't well, to say that that wasn't an effect, just more oh, of a... Oh, no, 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 I of think, <laughs> I think it's, it's one of the feed-ins... Sorry, go on, Pan.
1: <laughs> That's all right. I was I was going to say something as I forgot what I was saying. And then I support, for, basically, I was just going to say, yeah, media, I think definitely is one of those things because of popular presentation. And it's what we've seen a lot in other things that influence mental health, like, the, you know, the obsession with body image, which, you know, a lot of people will say isn't a thing. But if you grew up in the 90s and early 2000s, you still feel the effects of it to this day. Um, And that goes for all different genders and sexualities and everything. Everything is cis-heteronormative, skinny, white, and has two kids attached, usually, once you get out of the lingerie shops. And, you know, it's everything for that creates another expectation, like you said earlier, Rosie, to like live your life a certain way and end up in a certain way, which isn't your fault if you don't want to. Not everyone has to. But then it does lead to this very unfortunate circumstance of uh, tradition Which, as I love a quote, I don't remember where it came from, it's just peer pressure from the dead. And it's just older generations do seem to say, well, you know, in my day we just got on with it. It's like, no, in your day you got put in insane asylums that didn't need to exist because you didn't know how to deal with it. And you treated hysteric women with uh, treatments we shan't necessarily talk about because you didn't know how to handle mental health. People have never been treated well when it comes to mental health or general health, unfortunately, in history. But it was much easier to pretend that they did because you just hid the problem, which I think is where what you do and what Safe in the World does is so valuable because you can't just hide it anymore. The internet's so big and vast, anyone can say anything they want very, very quickly and that message can spread. So why not say the right thing and the good thing to actually help someone?
2: Yeah, it's like it always baffles me how there's people like on this planet that are like, hey, I'm going to use my voice for hate <laughs> and only hate. I'm just mm-hmm. going to spread malice everywhere. Like I've just never quite understood that <laughs> um, from, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it's some kind of projection or like, yeah. you know, need that they, they, they feel they have to do, but because um, they're angry at the world or whatever, but I'm just like, there's so much good to share and there's so much support to be able to help each other with um, that we can focus on. <gasps> oh, hi, cat.
1: <laughs> oh, hi, Streaks.
2: <laughs> she's about to go and attack the window don't worry <laughs> I
1: love it <laughs> I just want to ask the door's closed so Ty's probably going to be upset with me okay oh, no. <laughs> so
0: um, just to keep the ball rolling on our, on our <laughs> train of thought before we get distracted um, so what are some uh, of the issues that you've come across um, in the field as a creator or as someone working
2: in a mental health based charity so yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think there's this kind of unspoken feud between mental health professionals and mental health advocates, um, which isn't really talked about very much. Um, and I think personally that there should be a healthy mix of both. I don't think you need to be a mental health professional to talk about mental health, um, especially your own. You you know your brain better than anybody. Um, but I think those who choose advocacy in mental health need to be very conscious of the words that they say and the people that they're talking to and how they can affect that. Um, and so language is a very interesting one to talk about because as um, as someone who is very public facing and um, also like podcasting and stuff, you, uh, I'm sure that you both have this as well, you have to be very considerate with the words that you use to make sure that things don't get misconstrued or the, they don't come across um, like in, in the way that you didn't intend. And um, mental health can be very similar because you have to be very careful about what you say and, and what who you're talking to and how you say it. Um, and that's always been an issue, I think, um, potentially in those who maybe don't know how to talk responsibly about mental health, who maybe offer advice um, rather than resources and support uh, and, and really toe the line between peer support and treating someone, um, which is unethical. So, um, yeah, being, being very careful to, to make sure that advocacy doesn't draw into the line of advice giving, <laughs> um, it is a thing for me. Um, but that's like a really weird sort of niche one. I think the other issues that you can get is, I like, obviously people, um, not taking you seriously or or, or mocking, um, for, for talking about mental health. Um, and you're always going to get that. I think no matter what you're talking about, uh, there are, there are people who have different opinions for you and that's the internet. And that's just something unfortunately that we have to deal with at the moment. Um, but yeah, there will always be people who don't take you seriously and and mock you and they probably haven't had anything, uh, mental health wise affect them in their life, or if they have that they're, they're trying to suppress that. Um, Oh, gosh, what else? I mean, within games specifically, uh, there's a lot of barriers that we face. I'm sure anyone who's observed <clears throat> the games industry for any amount of time has seen the horrors that have come out of this of this industry in terms of well-being, um, crunch, um, discrimination, bullying at work. Like, there's so much... Um, in this industry that needs to change and that's not to say that there isn't positives happening because there definitely are and we're working with so many companies on making positive change and and trying to create hope Um, however there are always companies who will sadly be the reason that we need to still exist um and I'm not obviously not going to name names or anything like that but um that is always a a barrier for me is that it sometimes feels like uh, for everything you're doing well, someone else is is kind of shooting it down in the other corner of the world. And it's like, why? <laughs> Come on, we're making strides. Um, So that's something. And I think it's something as well that people will refer to it as as maybe a reason why they don't want to tackle such a big subject but they're just like well this is always going to happen so there's no point like change isn't going to happen because these people are at the top and I totally understand that because it can feel quite hopeless um when seniority um has a very damning cis white straight male view of the world um and and you know that can be incredibly disheartening for a lot of people in the industry to to think um But (laughs) it's not all doom and gloom. And I guess um, what we're trying to do at Safe in Our World and within the industry in general is promoting our own self worth. Like this industry is full of passion and people will take advantage of that. But if you know your own worth and you know your own boundaries before you start applying for things and getting into um, opportunities, whether that's like creator led or. uh like uh, oh god words are hard job led um not that the two can't coexist but if if you're pursuing a career in games versus um maybe trying to work with a partnership on a creator side um yeah being able to hold standards hold people accountable talk to other people who are going through the same sort of thing and create a support network of a lot of different people to make the, the industry a safer place is is trying is what we're trying to do i guess um and by you know fostering that normal conversation and, and positive change around it so i I forgot the question i've just been like spiraling <laughs> what so are the sorry. major issues in the field <laughs> as a creator <laughs> um, but yeah yes major issues um <laughs> sorry like railroaded that um as a creator it's um it's challenging because I think sometimes when you're talking about these really passionate things and maybe you have like quite a small base or like small following or something you might feel like I've certainly thought it when I first started the podcast I didn't really have any listeners and I was like maybe I'm just maybe no one really cares about what I'm talking about maybe I should just give up with this because it's like it's if no one's listening what's the point but then also I've kind of learned from that that it doesn't really matter if anyone's listening because if you believe in it it's not taking up too much of your energy um necessarily and it's like it's kind of broken into my personal life in a way because I talk about this so much um I've had people come to me and say like oh you know because of you i'm I've like gone to the doctor about my mental health, and I was like, "Okay, that's first of all incredible, and like I might cry <laughs> in a little bit because I'm gonna get really emotional about it um and that's amazing, and like just being able to help like one person literally like go and get support is is worth it, so like that's a barrier that I think I've overcome at this point or trying to, um but I know that it's still one that very much exists in a lot of people is that Maybe they're not getting the um the viewership that they want and that affects their mental health and and such. Um But yeah, I think they're the main challenges. I mean Yeah, I mean you're always like no matter the subject, you're always gonna get like trolls and stuff like that that, that will make your life harder as a creator and, and um make it more difficult to talk about what you're passionate about, but Ultimately, it's like a weird set of, of niche barriers that I think will depend on person to person uh, on what their vulnerabilities are. So, yeah.
1: So, even if you help, sorry, if, even if you help one person or you educate one person, that one person could influence a million others. And you'd, you maybe you never even know it, but like, It is one of those things. I definitely think for people who are neurodiverse as well, where numbers are, like for me, numbers are way more difficult to to quantify um, because my brain will go big or small and that's it. So it's like, oh no, six people have seen this. That means I have failed. But like if there were six people in a room with me watching me do something, I'd be like, ew, go away, there's too many of you. So it's a very different thing between what's tangible and what's not tangible. But that one person who you're able to help may then be able to get one of their friends to go to the doctor and get some help. And that person might tell an audience hall of 40 people to go and talk to people if they need help. And it may just go from there. So yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Like,
1: yeah, it's difficult to to get yourself to understand, especially if you're not neurotypical and you have difficulty visualizing, but everything you do has worth to someone.
2: Yeah. And it cascades more than you think. Like Mm. my dad called me, a few months ago now and was like what does she her mean in your email and I was like oh (laughs) it's this and he was like oh right maybe I should do that and I was like okay and then he's talked about me for a bit and then he rang me like a week later and was like so I spoke to my manager and we're all doing it now and he works for like this pneumatics company that it's not a known thing to do something like that uh it's very you know 20 years behind everything and that sort of (laughs) context but uh i was just like that's so cool that <laughs> you had that conversation with your manager because i was like just chatting shit on a call and sent you an email for no reason and, and we've ended up here so yeah things go further than you think yeah so i wanted to bring
0: the conversation around to you uh the gaming side of things for a bit um before we ended up down a different rabbit hole. Um, So you were saying about how, uh, um, obviously, in the actual industry, there's quite a few issues. But I wanted to focus more on, like, how do games play into mental health and um, what effect can they have, whether that be positive or negative?
2: Yeah, It's, um, it's kind of what drew me into this in the beginning is I had a personal connection with The Last of Us um and there's an article going out tomorrow on safe in our world which talks about this and i was like very excited to be involved in it um and people have so many like personal connections to games which have helped them through various things in their life whether they know it or not and that's on the positive side of course like there not to say that there are not um negative things that happen in games of course there are um, but that's kind of what drew me to Safe From Our World and what um, kick-started the charity in a way. Um, aside from the industry, um, so many people have played games that have maybe said that they've saved their life. Uh, we have often had people send in stories, um, and there's a lot of stories on the website as well, about people's uh, journeys through mental health and what game maybe have helped them get through that. Or what character that they have resonated with to a point where they they felt seen and they felt more comfortable with their identity um and so it spans more than just mental health and and just kind of like comfortableness within it um you know we we talk to people about how certain characters have have helped them come out to people, which is amazing um we've talked to people who have gone through a character that maybe experiences anxiety and depression and thought, actually, I understand how this person feels. I, maybe I should get some support. Um, representation in games is, is incredible to help people with their own identity. And that's a huge thing of what we focus on. So a lot of my job is actually looking through games to see the bigger picture behind them. Um so like just off the top of my head, there's a game called Ruya, which is on our website and it's like a mobile game that's looks very simple. It's kind of like a mixy match game. And um I spoke to the developer about it and he was like, Oh, actually, yeah, it's about um postpartum depression and how mothers can feel really alone and when you look into the story side of things, it's all about like her giving everything for her children. And I was like oh my God, it would literally just, it looked, what? (laughs) And so talking about that, it's like not just about players' reactions to games, but also developers' um, intentions with games and and what they wanted to see out from it because it's such a creative field, right? And so many people put their heart and soul into the things that they create. And so naturally games that come out have these incredible meanings behind them and, and evoke really um massive things in people um which is such an interesting thing to look into because it's um games are the only media really that we connect with in the same way um that you don't get from films it's a that's more of a passive uh media which is totally fine but it's passive and you're not in it at the same way that in a game you make the decisions you're in control of the person you feel like if something happens to them it happens to you And so it's a very interesting medium to put someone in to try and send a message, um, which is why I was so fascinated by it and and which is why The Last of Us was like, oh my God, this made me feel a a lot of feelings. Uh, (laughs) This is amazing. I didn't realize games could do that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the main side of it for me. Um, But we also highlight games that have representation that's not stigmatized so we were talking about this earlier within media um and you see it in as well in a lot of horror games is that you see oh it's in a mental hospital oh the main character is insane is crazy it's in our language that we stigmatize mental health whether we know we notice it or not and it's really hard to unlearn that um especially if you've grown up with that and um yeah it's it feels almost like a guilty pleasure sometimes to enjoy a horror game to think actually this is really this could be quite damaging to um to someone's mental health and we're seeing it now in you know the new um wizard game that we're not going to speak the name of Mm. that's damaging to people um because of the intentions behind it and the people associated with it so it's like when people say that games aren't powerful you can really look to things that can have such a profound effect on people and and argue the opposite um and so that's been like massive for me <laughs> um I guess like there's so many stories to be told especially around things that you don't see very often so I was talking to um someone called Rami is who's in our industry it's fantastic mm.
1: person
2: wonderful right and he was saying like you know it's about the stories that you never see like we are constantly seeing you know <laughs> new york a shooter game or like a world war game where you're shooting people um versus uh, a yorkshire town maybe or like a, an english thing or in london but you never see like these really small quaint experiences that people experience in East Asia or in South Africa. Like you just don't see that in games because it's not a fair industry in a lot of ways. Um, and people in underprivileged parts of the world don't get the same opportunities that people in, in like the UK and America do. And you see that in, in places like GDC, which is exactly what he was talking about. And it's a, a really valuable conversation that he was having. Um And so that's why representation is so important. Like, if people don't see themselves in games or in developers, then the industry will never be a diverse place and it will never be a fair place for people to enter. Um, And why would we want to, you know, continually champion an industry that is not fair? (laughs) So that's kind of why it's important for me. But
1: yeah
0: and when you're saying about um representation um like you were saying that the last of us had quite an impact mm. would you like to tell us a bit about that what's what is it about the last of us that hit home for you
2: it was interesting because it was the first game that made me feel anything i was previously playing silly games it was like haha this is fun this is narrated by a funny person Ha, i like this and then it's suddenly like oh dear god this is really emotional. I I feel uncomfortable with the mm. actions that my character is doing, which I've never understood before from a video game, Um, because you, for the most part, when you're playing a game, you feel like you're in control. But when a game forces you to do things that you maybe would not want to do in real life or that you wouldn't consider doing, it puts you in a very strange, challenging and emotional position, uh, which I was something that I'd never thought it could happen from a video game and so that was like the first draw for me the last of us 2 100% had that a lot like it it made you do things that you did not want to do and and some I I criticize it a little bit for some of the things that I did not want to do um I'm not saying the game is perfect at all but um it challenges people in in a really interesting way and um the first game kind of for me instilled the fact that in a world that was incredibly bleak, there were still like pockets of hope in places that you wouldn't really expect it. And that was like, you see that with the giraffe scene, you see that in, in a lot of different, like little, small, subtle things. And when you're in a state of total depression, it is so valuable to be able to remember that little things like that exist. And that's why you keep going. Um, and obviously, like, we're not in a zombie apocalypse in America, and I know that, but there are still lessons that you can learn from these characters that have, have gone through everything um, to stay with the people that they love. And whilst you can commend that or, you know, um, say that it's it wasn't the right decision, it's kind of besides the point, it's... it's um, it's a hypothetical situation but (laughs) uh yeah the power of video games is is what um or the power of the last of us is is what drew me in and the emotional kind of um backlash that that had and the thought afterwards like if i'm not going to spoil it but it it ends on a on a question basically or a, a a maybe uh, which is unsettling for a lot of players and then having to wait, what, seven years to actually understand what then happened is, like, very indicative of what life is like sometimes. <laughs> so it just felt like a very real... They felt like very real characters because they were very flawed people. Um, and it's not necessarily it about having good people and bad people. It's just the people. <laughs> and the things that they do can be good or bad, so... Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on The Last of Us, but they mm. are the main ones. So,
1: yeah, I would like yeah. to rewind for just one second to something you said, uh, just because I was remembering what you said about Rami and what Rami said about a few video games on, on Twitter. Especially when talking about mental health, I think it's really important to also talk about intersectionality, because obviously being a good advocate, you have to remember that everything interconnects and that's not like a you need to remember rosie that's a royal you like obviously everyone needs to understand that things connect but when you're playing your video games and you're playing another war game or another shooter game you have to sort of try and remember who is often the enemy in those games and it's normally not white cultures and not countries that are predominantly white and The mental health toll that must take on the people who are constantly the enemy in a video game based on some racism, really, is fucking horrible. And, you know, and and people find it, you know, people freaked out about The Last of Us 2 when, you know, a, a main character got killed. But I don't see that energy anywhere else. And I get it, they're not the main character, but you do have to start asking the game developers why is that the case? Then why are we not getting characters from more diverse backgrounds? Why are people freaking out when a video game has a like a femme Latina lead, even rumoured Femme Latina lead? Why is that why is that a problem? And that's mm. that's something I really appreciate about Rami's takes because As I say, I'm white as milk. It's maybe not something that ever would have come up in my brain before. But when it's pointed out, you need to pay attention to it. And that's where I think, again, something like what Safe In Our World does is really important because mental health needs are going to vary massively based on what you experience. And if you experience always being made the bad guy so that a hero can win and that hero is a Western audience who is predominantly white, that's horrible. That is really horrible. And that's why I personally love playing games where you actually do have a cool, diverse group of characters. Or you play as a character who is not who you live as in the real world. Like, that's great. Um, And the other point I just wanted to say was actually on good representation, which is completely the flip side. um, I played a little indie game recently, which was a couple of quid on Steam. Um, And it wasn't perfect, not all the representations were perfect, but it had one of the cutest representations of a person with severe anxiety that I've ever seen. And it was called Speed Dating for Ghosts. And it was so cute. It's just this very simple concept, not a big game, just you sat across the table from somebody you're speed dating with, and it's just a ghost with very severe anxiety. And you can be a dick if you want to, you can be kind, you can be pandering, and they may not like you for that. But you can talk through things and actually sort of figure out what might be the right way to talk to somebody who is really anxious, but trying. And I thought it was just a really lovely representation because you can go through some pitfalls. And as you say, it can be really difficult to know what to say and whether to say the right or whether you're saying the right thing or the wrong thing or if you're going to upset someone. And yeah, video games were a really great sounding board. So yeah, if you, if you see that in a, a humble bundle, if it's on sale on Steam, Speed Dating of the Ghost was a really, really cute game. And it did have a moment at the end where I was just like, I need to protect this ghost with my entire life. I I need I need him to be okay. He's my favorite. What the fuck? He's so cute. Just a li- little dude, little floating dude. <laughs> it's just adorable.
0: <laughs> and speaking of representation, um, could you... Uh, Think of any good representations that you've seen in uh, games, media, um, anything that jumps out at you as something that's good representation of mental health.
2: Yeah, I mean, we. So part of my job is to look for games that represent mental health well, or maybe um, tell a story about mental health that is educational or, or in you know, insightful. Um, and so we have a bunch um, on there. I think you know, games like Life is Strange are very interesting um, conceptions of mental health. I think the one that does it um, most amazingly for me is Hellblade, which I'm sure everyone Mm. knows about and everyone's talked about it before, but it's it's talked about for a reason. Um, Paul Fletcher was the mental health advisor on that, and he is part of our clinical board at SAFE, and he is fantastic. Um he's He's very well he's he's incredibly knowledgeable um and very humble <laughs> um and he basically worked alongside a lot of people with lived experience to be able to capture what <clears throat> it is like um with psychosis um or what maybe um how you would have been treated um with psychosis if you're in uh, i think it's like eighth century um Pictish times or whatever it is in in hellblade but um that's always I think it's always a green flag, in a way, if a lot of developers who are looking to represent people with mental health conditions have clinical advice advisors um, on board, or at least work with a group of of advisors, whether that be um, advocates, lived experience, or and clinicians, because I think it's important. Uh, and so there's lots of different examples of that, and I think there's a lot of ones that. It's interesting because, it again, it depends on your own experience. Everyone will have slightly different experiences of mental health and everyone will have different experiences of um, getting support within that. And it kind of links into what um, we were talking about earlier in that um, as, you know, as a, a very white person in the UK, mental health is looked at in a very different way then, if you're black it, and and you see that a lot of the time in media and like I'm talking about in like news outlets is that if you see someone who is you can clearly see that they're having issues with mental health and they're kind of painted as angry and dangerous mm-hmm. rather than they're vulnerable and they need support um and so again it's it's often hard for me to judge maybe what is good representation of something when it's it's only indicative from my own experiences so i try to be very um like open about the fact that it's they're related games rather than recommendations or recommended games um what might be fantastic representation for someone of uh bpd or depression or um anything really could be really triggering and not helpful for somebody else <laughs> um mm. because people's symptoms are different and often only it's usually only white wealthy people whose symptoms are observed in clinicians which is why um diagnosis often looks different as well yes so um yeah it's a challenge <laughs> uh, which is why i'm looking to to be able to continue to expand that list and and have more kind of thought provoking games um that touch on these themes but not necessarily trying to educate you but just more having hey this person is clearly like having delusions or they're having a persistent low mood and it's not necessarily diagnosed as anything it's just who they are um because often especially in in the UK (laughs) you don't get diagnoses very easily as we know and so um I I think it's really hard to sometimes promote games that maybe um focus on a diagnosis only rather than the symptoms that come with it um so, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of different representations um, and you can visit the website um, if you want to like, look at a list of stuff that I've curated. Um, and they're all on there for different reasons. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's like, it, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's not an easy question to answer.
0: No, I mean, uh, I can't say uh, there's ever been a point where we've had someone on the podcast uh, uh, go, yep <laughs> and that's it <laughs> it
2: be, be it's a, like, a very short podcast <laughs>
0: yeah yeah like <laughs> it's usually a case of like you can think of maybe one that you particularly enjoy but then there's obviously there's always going to be a mixture of feelings there's always going to be a mixture of opinions and it's more about it's thought-provoking to think about um our media consumption, in a way, of how what are we consuming and what are we taking away from those characters, those scenarios, and those stories that we're, we're, we're taking in? Um, and how can we share those positive ones? Um, or those ones that give us a, a needed experience with others?
2: Yeah. Cause you often see like focused as well in the media is like the negatives that happen. I mean, the news is filled by tragedy all the time. Um, which means you never usually get to see the positives unless nothing's happening, which is very sad. And I think that's very, um, telling of our culture. And I don't know whether it's, I mean, it's more than just British, but it's always <laughs> focusing on the negatives <laughs> and never really taking time to celebrate the goods. Um, which is so important because, like, you see so much good happening and then it's like, yeah, well, anyway, did you see that this happened? Is drama scary? Someone spat on Chris Pine. <laughs> yeah. Let's move away from the general situation that's happening and let's move on to something that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's always a conversation, but I'm always trying to... Um, we're at SAFE, we're always trying to... Look at positivity and look at the goods and highlight the goods instead of consistently focusing on the negative because it doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: it always frustrates me when representation is half baked as well. It's like where, where it's like oh swing and a miss because I always think one of the so when we first started doing uh, the the through our eyes I talked to some people with dissociative identity disorder, um, and we couldn't find a single good piece of representation and i played duncan romper which has a character who is said to have dissociative identity disorder and the really shitty thing about it is they actually got some more of the symptoms correct in air quotes as it were than a lot of other things i've seen but they still demonized the character they were still a serial killer in the game and it was like you nearly like they brought up things like that the 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 two different sort of people again i'm doing lots of air quotes because my brain is struggling to find the correct words but Mm. the the, you know the the two different alters didn't share memories which is for a lot of uh, people with dissociative so with did is correct and not many places will get that they'll say that you know they're conniving because they all share memories which isn't the case and i'm like how did you get so much of this right and still make them a killer what is Mm, that's so frustrating because you could have had a really wonderful if simple representation for something that's often demonized but again you just added to it yeah which is uh, frustrating and I, I would love to see some positive representation one day but then you do get the other side where sometimes things are evangelized and said like again this isn't a mental health thing necessarily but people with Down syndrome are often evangelized to be so happy and beautiful and pure and people with Down syndrome are people
2: people exactly what i was gonna people. say is that you often see like characters who are represented and they're more about their so in like specific characteristics that they're trying to um put on the person let's say like a, a you know um uh pff, words are hard uh, <laughs> a mental health condition or a sexuality or like anything and they make it all about that rather than actually that they're just a human yeah. being that happens to be depressed that happens to be gay and it's so disappointing because i'm just like just create a character like it's not it's about the creating a person rather than um filling in boxes at the last minute so <laughs>
1: yeah
2: yeah
0: i think also i mean not to defend it but with the pressure to have like representation, there is so much room for added error in that pressure because they want to fill a quota and Mm -hmm. that's how they see it, it's a quota They're, they're trying to fill tick boxes to make it acceptable to whatever arbitrary terms they've been given and so they're trying to with a limited number of characters, they're removing the depth of a character by trying to put too much into one representative character, and then it's more of a caricature than it is a, a character at that point. Because they're just like, oh, they've got this, and they've also this, and they're also this, and it it just kind of means, oh, you you're you're not getting. Any wins, really, no. because you're just uh, confusing the things.
2: I think people are quite nervous as well to like em- embrace um, trying new things in games as well because of the added criticism. And I think that's partly due to the fact that often you don't see many um, protagonists um, in games necessarily that are like disabled or mentally ill or people of colour. And so when people do have that there's nothing to compare it to and so people will be incredibly more critical of that naturally because again there's so many different things that they could do and because they're not representative of every single person within that then it's like well it's a letdown right um but there are so many games out there that have got the same characters in them they're just different outfits <laughs> um and because you see yourself so much you don't think about it um and so I think people have a right to be critical about it, um, but it's it's about finding a balance and being able to have an open discussion about creating represented characters um, in a way that is with people who are marginalised and with the people who you're trying to represent, <laughs> um, which is always, um, I think, a step that people miss for some reason, um, which is wild to me. but. Um, yeah, empowering people to make the games that they feel represented in is important and not consistently making the same action shooter with the same protagonist to seven games, you know? So...
0: I mean, I would I would be happy to see an uh, um, uh, action shooter game or a war-based game where the actual main character has the PTSD that goes with being a soldier, or a... <laughs> or... You
1: never see it, do you? Have <laughs> but... you played Spec Ops the line? No. No. Spec Ops the line may be a bit controversial because it has some very fucked up scenes in it, but it is... Unfortunately, this is a bit of a spoiler, but it's the only way to really explain it and I think it's one of those that... Uh, uh, It's one of those you have to play to really understand and believe. Like you said with The Last of Us, it is one of the very first games that ever hit me in my gut and I was like, holy shit, I did not expect that Expect that to go the way it went. And without giving the entire story away, it is about a soldier with the effects of PTSD. But because it, it gives you the role of a player insert initially, you go through a bunch of the game, like gleefully doing the things you would normally do in a shooter game until it starts to unravel the story around you and starts to reveal PTSD to you. And I was just like, for the first time, not that I understand, but... I get what they're trying to tell me. And I I think if you have the stomach to try that game, one, it it played really well. It it looked good. Unfortunately, it does still have the thing of, it's a white American dude up against a bunch of black and brown skinned people. But I think that's also the point because it's meant to be a, a, a speech on, you know, on the white savior complex and PTSD and veterans who are left behind and things like that. So I think it, I think in a lot of ways it has good representation but because I'm not all those people I can't say if it's perfect but it is a game that I at least saw played and went I didn't expect what I got but I'm very glad I played it you do have to be in a good hair space for it because it will punch you yeah
2: (laughs) I find that with a lot of games actually especially the ones I have to try and I'm like oh dear god I'm gonna play half an hour of this and then I'm gonna need to put it down because it's a lot and that's the point of it for the most part but um Mm. Yeah, I think uh, touching on like PTSD as well, I do think that's one thing that The Last of Us Part Two did quite well mm. um, in, in some parts in the state that obviously you see these people doing absolutely unspeakable things. Of course, it's going to affect them in some way. and Maybe it's not the way that you would think it would be, mm-hmm. but it's interesting the way that they portrayed like flashbacks and such uh, and yeah. It's interesting. I don't think any game is ever going to nail all of them, um, but it's good to point out the goods in what we do see so that hopefully they can be replicated um, well and continue to be seen as best practice for other developers and and, and such. So, yeah.
0: Okay. So before we move on to audience questions, uh, I wanted to finish up with uh, a question about... um, What's your takeaway from your experience and what good has come of it?
2: From my personal mental health experience? I mean, I think it's made me a lot, a lot more empathetic uh, and I think a lot of people say that. Um, and whilst I don't think we need to go through trauma to be uh, an empathetic person ever, <laughs> um, it's helped me see things from a very different point of view. Um, and made me really value the people who do make me feel safe and valued and valid. Um, because before I think I was very accepting of, of people, you know, just walking all over me, treating me like garbage. I was like, well, I deserve it. No, I didn't actually. (laughs) Um, and so It's very stereotypical of people going through shit and then actually coming out kind of like feeling stronger. But you do, like, I feel more emotionally resilient. Something that would have absolutely floored me six years ago is kind of like, it's a Tuesday now, it's whatever. Um, (laughs) And that's that's a good thing or a bad (laughs) thing. It's not either. It's just a thing, right? Because it's like, Hmm. well, yes. You've become more resilient, but also it's not a bad thing to be soft. And I think that's important as well. You don't have to become this hard shell of someone um, to (laughs) be able to get through life. It's okay to show emotion. It's okay to do that. I think it's becoming more self-accepting of what you're feeling and allowing yourself to feel that instead of kind of putting it away and, and manifesting it into something worse. So I think it's taught me on a lot about myself and a lot about how. I think, even though it's still a mystery to me for the most part, as I'm sure everyone thinks as well, uh, trying to figure out your own brain is really hard (laughs) Um, because you're always observing it from one point of view. But um, yeah, I I just think it's it's made me, ironically, I was going to say it's made me more eloquent about talking about mental health, (laughs) Um, and I think it has because I didn't used to be as good as I am now, um, which is still not great, but it's getting there. I have more confidence in being able to talk about things that I would usually hide away from, um, ever mentioning. So I'm like learning how to be proud of myself in things that I would usually dismiss as just being, you know, the everyday, the basic. So yeah, it's been a journey and it's not to say that it, I'm not still on it. I'm very much on like a, a roller coaster of sorts, um, with mental health, but it's, um, it's been amazing to be able to work with and talk to so many people who are like so passionate about helping people in different ways and, and understanding community in a way that's, that's incredibly a lot more inclusive. So yeah, (laughs) I think that's it. I think, I think that's, that's my answer. (laughs) I saw saw the incident over there. (laughs) Are you okay?
1: Oh, I flash myself, changing tab quickly. Oh, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I did see I your have... face like
2: light up and then like a second went by and then it was just pain. So <laughs> I have
1: double astigmatism, so all lights kind of go woof. Anyway, so I'm just oh like, no. oh, it's all good. We're fine. Don't worry. I'm good. <laughs> um, At the moment.
0: Pan, uh, do you have any questions that you wanted to cover before we move on to... Audience question, (laughs) I say questions. Audience question. Uh, question. So get your questions in now.
1: Get your questions in chat. I don't think I have anything anything specific. Um, apart from I guess I could just ask. So one thing. So start from the beginning, Brain. (laughs) A little while ago, I did a mental health first aid training course, uh, which was set up by Safe in Our World, which was fantastic, and I really really enjoyed it. And I've done my mental health training course before that. Um. And trigger warning, I do just want to touch on the subject of suicide, because it is something that a lot of people really shocked about in the training session. Um, And it's not a thing that a lot of people want to talk about or want to acknowledge or have any ideal idea what to deal with or how to deal with it if it comes up. Um, So do you have any advice for people, Rosie, if somebody is feeling suicidal, or if a friend tells them that they are like, because most people would just say kind of just don't don't say anything or they'll do it and that's not the case at all
2: yeah there's a lot of tropes as well in like media again that's just like people doing stupid shit and then it suddenly fixes them and they're not suicidal anymore which is not the case um it's yeah it's, it's a tricky subject for a lot of people because it's very personal and very it's not like a an all or nothing it's like oh we're talking about suicide now like this is something that's very real um Mm -hmm. and for a lot of people it's again incredibly stigmatized to the point where they won't even engage in a a conversation about it which i think is why it's all the more important to discuss this um it's actually world suicide awareness day on saturday and so we'll be talking a little bit about it at safe in our world on social media as well Um, but it's because Suicidal is like I think people associate it with like incredibly unstable, which isn't necessarily the case. Like I've felt it in the past, um, and not ever thought I would act on it for the most part. Um, and I think I was scared to even tell people because their reaction would be, oh my god, what the fuck? <laughs> um, which is not the way that you should react to someone if they tell you that they're really struggling and considering taking their life um but it's also very important to recognize that um you're not a professional and you can't people are trained to be able to support people who are feeling this way and it's not a um a failure to send someone to a professional or to to offer them resources that could potentially save their life like you don't need to take on the responsibility of talking someone down and making feel like making sure that they're safe like of course that's a huge part of it but there are people who are trained to do that. Um, and so it, you don't have to do it alone. Like You can get support, you can get advice. These helplines are not just necessarily like Samaritans, for example. They're not just for people who are in crisis mode. They're also for people who maybe don't know how to deal with other people in crisis mode. Um, because if you can't force someone to get support if they don't want it, which is a really hard pill to swallow, but it's true. Um, but you can do everything that you can to support them other than that in a way that you're comfortable with. Um, And so having like a bank of resources to be able to share is always really good, really helpful, especially when we live in a society that is very digital. Um, It is very easy to share these sorts of numbers and support lines and text based things, which is something that I would have loved um, at the time where I was at lowest. It's really hard to talk on the phone to someone if you're in the worst state ever. Um, So or like potentially if you can't speak because you live in an unsafe place or if you you live in a place where no one knows that you're feeling this bad. Um, so having more accessible ways to be able to talk to professionals who know how to deal and support you is uh, is critical. Um, but ultimately, I think the main thing is to just, they're a human being. <laughs> you don't have to, I think people tr- get so nervous and tread on eggshells with people, but they are still people. Um, be non-judgmental if you possibly can it's really hard to do that, actually. Um, and if you've gone on the mental health course, you'll know as well, like because of like biases and stuff that you already have in your life, it's very difficult to listen non-judgmentally. Um, but often just listening is is a huge part because a lot of people feel like they can't talk to someone. So if someone comes up and tells you that they're feeling this way, I mean, it, it's it's probably showing a huge sign of of trust and strength that they're able to do that in the first place because it's it's incredibly difficult to say that. Um, so just offering a space for them to be themselves and not have to feel like they're hiding this big secret is is very valuable. Um, but not being the sole responsibility is also important because people talk a lot about um, supporting suicidal people, of course. But then they forget the aftercare of the person who had to support that because it does have an effect on you as well. Um, so it's finding a balance um it's admitting when you need help and not taking on too much when you're not qualified to do that um you can still be a friend to a suicidal person you don't have to be their therapist so but again that's again that's just my opinion um i think everyone else has a different one but um just be a good person <laughs> don't take on too much and know where you can get additional support for yourself and the person struggling
1: it's one of those things as a streamer you'll often, well not often but you can end up with some people treating you as a therapist or, or you may get somebody coming into a stream and saying I feel suicidal, help me and it can be really scary to have no idea what to do with that and for it to derail everything but yeah I think validating that that is a legitimate way for somebody to feel but that you are not the person equipped to deal with it is okay Yeah because sometimes you're just not <laughs> yeah the best thing you can do a lot of the time
2: is validate listen and um signpost them to where they should be going because you're you're listening to them you're you're validating their experience um but you're also putting them in the hands of, of a professional a professional that word is hard <laughs> <laughs> um, also i know how much darker my Background has gotten. It's really depressing. It's so sad. You can see, like, there's no light outside anymore.
1: No <laughs> so grey outside.
2: Um, I mean, there's a reason that it's called a support network.
0: It's not yes. meant to be just one person that is uh, um, the sole support. It's supposed to be a a group or a a a collective resources of of help. I mean. not one thing that can can fix suicidalness or 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 mental health issues it's it's a collective of of options that's why no one can ever give you just a direct answer of how can i stop this because there's yeah it's 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 such a there's a lot to unwind yeah
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs)
0: Okay, right, Uh, let's get on to audience questions. So, did you ever consider trying anti-anxiety medication instead of antidepressants? As personally, it was my anxiety causing my depression most of the time, and a lot of the anxiety medications can also help with chronic pain.
2: I never had the option to. I was very much told, we're gonna try you on this now. Uh, And unfortunately, often that's how it goes. I think if you have a good rapport with your the person who is you know dispensing medication and whatnot, maybe you have a better say. I just didn't. <laughs> um, but I think it's really important to be able to try a lot of different things to see what works best for you. Because as we've said, doctors don't actually know an awful lot about antidepressants and how they interact with us. Um, so it's important that if you don't think something's working as it should be, to say that um, and try and work towards a different solution um i think i would be really interested in um anti-anxiety specifically rather than antidepressants because i do think it's like a a, a cure-all for a lot of doctors to be like do i just have these you'll be <laughs> um so yeah
0: yeah i i mean i very heavily agree antidepressants are now um the equivalent to what pain meds were uh decades ago it's uh just pop some these so it was like like antibiotics as well, just pop some of these, pop some of these, because it's a, you have an issue, this is what we have, rather than a let's see what it is that is the root cause and therefore try and tackle it appropriately. Um, And I know I personally have been prescribed antidepressants for uh, a period, um, uh, obviously depression, um, uh, pain management. Uh, <laughs> and then just a or oh, I could put you on antidepressants.
2: It might help. I,
0: I, I don't. I don't see how that's gonna gonna help any of these things that I came to you for. But sure, okay. Um, it's it's one of those things that's more of a do this first, and then we can tackle rather than a tackle and then. We decide. Um and yeah, I don't think anyone really tends to get a choice on which one they go on first. It's usually just a whichever one's in that particular doctor's favourite of the day. Um,
2: yeah. I, when I first went on medication, I was just honestly so relieved to have anything that I would have taken whatever they gave me. I was just like, oh my god, I'm so happy that someone like finally listened to me. I'll have it. Yeah, I mean... Not a good mindset to have, but it was the one I had at the time, so... See, I was
0: the opposite. I was the, I am not going on medication until the bitter end, and that was probably why I had so uh, many issues for so long, is because I refused to... (laughs) (laughs)
2: I <laughs> refuse to take the meds. Um... Understandable though, they don't tell you all the risks that are associated with that. Like when yeah. I first went on fluoxetine, which is the one I'm on now, mm. um they did not, they neglected to tell me that actually if I had X amount of fluoxetine, it would make my birth control pill much less effective, which they just didn't tell me. And I had to be told by someone on the internet that that was a thing, which is terrifying um so yeah there's a lot of research to be done around medication don't just like accept it um because it's the list of i think i saw it in the chat earlier on as well like uh, one of the side effects of antidepressants is depression and i'm like what is the point <laughs> but again it it varies so
1: yeah. plus there's this like people don't tell you that being on something like an antidepressant uh, can cause you to struggle in the heat way more so if you're in the middle of a heat wave you may find yourself passing out because you've gotten too hot because the antidepressant you're on, which you wouldn't expect to like, cause any problems with sweat or heat retention, does. And so you have to keep on top of that as well. But I mean, I was the same as you, Rosie. I was like, uh, I was like, Jesus Christ, please give me something to help. I I want to try and figure this out. Whereas like my... Like my husband and my, my partners in the past have all been so reticent on it, because especially and that they, they were all male, they all felt it was a failure, and that you know emotionally they should just be able to get on with it, which is a, another issue with mental health is the societal pressure of being a man, and you can have poor mental health as a cisgendered man it is o okay. k and it's re- it really does it hurts my heart that so many like young boys and men are told they can't have emotions when they can and then they end up in an even worse position because it's never been validated for them yeah
2: it's really sad and you see it a lot and I think that's why a lot of people especially young men turn to video games in in a sense because they can just outlet their emotions elsewhere and it doesn't have to be in real life quote-unquote so you know it's um it's very sad that people, I feel like people can't have these conversations as, as a part of a normal day. Like, um, I'm very privileged now to be in a position where I have colleagues and friends and social circle that are very, not tolerant, because that's the wrong word, but very supportive and open with this kind of discussion where it, not everyone has that privilege and not everyone is in a safe position to be able to do so. So it's... um. Yeah, it comes from a privileged place as well, and I think it's important to remember that.
0: Okay. um, Next question. Uh, What would you say is something simple that consumers can do to influence the creators to be more open to add even small but well-represented mental health into games, I assume?
2: Oh, that is a hard question. Um, I mean, well don't support bad gaming (laughs) it does send a message like i'm kind of joking kind of not um with games where you see zero or harmful representation or harmful lack of representation a lack of support can be very telling to people who are maybe looking to make another game um it's very difficult because I think a lot of people, consumers specifically, feel like their voice is not heard because there's a vast wave a sea of, of gamers that all shout into the void and nothing really gets listened to. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. And I was at a um, a conference recently, um, talking to or listening to, sorry, someone talk about old school RuneScape and how they have now implemented well they have done it for a while but they have a polling system so you you vote on what content you want to see in the game which is really interesting to me because it's a terrifying concept for a lot of designers because they've given up their creativity and they've um they're putting the future of a game in the hands of the public which is often a scary thing to do um but it's actually been really interesting because everyone who has been voting it has to have like a 75% pass rate and stuff so players and consumers are very much in control of the content that goes into the game. And that's why it has such a dedicated fan base, which is fascinating to me uh, because you don't really see that in any other games. No. Um, and so I do think like your voice matters more than you think it does. Um, and people rally for change on social media all the time. And it happens. Like you, I had a podcast with someone called Momo misfortune who, who, If I'm sure you're familiar already, but they rallied for uh, custom pronouns in The Sims 4. And it happens. They did that. Um, That actually is a thing in the game now, which is incredible. So the power of social media is very, like, it's influential. And I think it's important to be able to get these things across and to let people know when something is not okay, because that's often... A huge sign, like, companies know they fucked up if they post something on Twitter and it's got more quote tweets than normal tweets. Like, they know that they've done something bad, right? And people can... You have a voice, you have a say. People take note of that. People's tweets have gone into, like, IGN and stuff. Like, you you are listened to more than you think. (laughs) Um, So, not being afraid to actively challenge um, game devs. Not in a harassing way or not in a disrespectful way. um, Because I as a community manager, you sometimes you get treated as though you're not uh, a person behind the brand. i totally understand that. However, in a <laughs> I feel like I have to preface everything I say. <laughs> you can you can send um God, what is the word? Not criticism, feedback, constructive feedback um to developers directly, and they will probably see it. <laughs> So um it's worth having your voice heard in that respect if you want to see change happen. Um but also celebrate the games that are doing it really well. Like that's it that's a really important thing is that people will be like oh my god have you seen this amazing game that actually it's got different pronoun options it's got different sexualities represented in the game like there's so many different diverse characters within this this game and I love it and that's why and you see them take off because communities rally behind it and they're like this is awesome we love this um and so that's very telling as well to to other um developers who are maybe hesitant to try that as well and just go for the safe option so there's a few different things but yeah highlight the good and shout out the bad in in short
0: <laughs> yeah and very much uh uh i want to emphasize that it is a good shout to actually highlight the good like like seriously rally behind the good ones yes. actually actually compliment people on their work because we're so as as was mentioned earlier media is fu- uh, uh, news and all that is always full of negative stuff and and can pretty much guarantee that the stuff that will go viral is going to be the the stuff that's that's the bad stuff. But it's so, so important to actually tell people when they're doing good, when they're actually having a positive effect, when something is stuck out to you, and actually tell them and tell the devs and tell them that, yeah, you really liked this thing that they did and well done on putting that representation out there because they don't get to hear that. <laughs> no. like it's, it's like gold dust they 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 do not get to hear that um yeah. it's only when something doesn't work or is
2: <laughs> but it's also important to highlight the good so that when people aren't getting it right you can showcase what they could be doing yeah. or, or or some inspiration at least as to where they could be working towards
1: exactly yeah.
0: and the same goes when I
1: worked
0: for... in the game...
1: sorry go on sorry i was going to say when i worked in the games industry because i was in the games industry for nearly 5 years Um, I actually did have a folder of screenshots saved of nice things people said, and there was 20 in there because every single day was just a barrage of hate, death threats and other nasty things. And yeah, saying you like something is so helpful, especially when you do, because people only talk when they don't like something. Um, And it's very, very rare to actually say when you do like something in a very public way. But I wrote a a web article about harassment in the games industry which made it to Reddit, which just resulted in a whole bunch of, well, she was probably just a weak pussy woman. And it was like, okay, you're not quite getting this one. It was five years of extended harassment that caused me to leave, not one case of of grumpy boy on the internet. Um, Yeah, tell people when you like shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's the same with with just, I mean, it's anything, right? I mean, even reviews of, of products. Mm. people do not leave reviews unless something went wrong
2: (laughs) very few people actually go yes this was actually really good i really enjoyed this it skews it as well so much because then you'll see like one bad review and be like well it's not got any good reviews so i guess it must be bad it's like hang on (laughs) that's not quite how it works um but i think that's one thing that steam does quite well usually when people love it they will leave a nice review for the most part because you'll see like overwhelmingly positive reviews and you're like yay this is nice people are really happy about it which is good <laughs> so
0: yeah. yeah um but that's the thing also it's like you know if if you've got an issue with with only seeing negative news um do something about it put, put, put the positive news out there there is literally a an account on tiktok that uh, is dedicated to Good news in the world, and things like you know, this advancement is being made on uh, uh, um, cleaning up the oceans, and this thing is uh, uh, happened today. That uh, um, and, and seriously, just, just any even if there was like five percent more of that, it would it would make everyone's lives <laughs> on social media, especially a heck ton better. Just having that that actual. Balance of the good and the bad.
2: It's about like who you share your spaces with as well. Like, it's important to, if someone is consistently making you feel bad on social media, it's okay to like mute them or unfollow. Like, it's not a big deal. It's really not. Um, being feeling like you're comfortable in the spaces that you are in online, which is a lot of the time for a lot of people who spend time on social media and who are careers are involved in social media like making those spaces as nice as possible can do a lot for your well-being
0: it really can one of the best things i ever did was uh go through and just be like nope 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 (laughs) (laughs) now my stuff's full of like fluffy cat pictures and and uh um people uh um uh like building each other up and uh just the only the only (laughs) The only negative news I tend to get now on my social medias is when Twitch does something that no one likes.
2: Mm. <laughs> and
1: streamer hot takes. Oh. <laughs> oh, not
2: streamer hot takes. It's the
1: same. It's the same for every every quarter.
2: But, it's a bingo card, isn't it?
1: Pretty <laughs>
0: much. It it does make a, a a a huge difference. That yeah, just having like fun game news and and just people building each other up and it does have a major effect even if you think it doesn't
2: (laughs) 100 percent one of like i chat a lot of shit on twitter so i'm not really telling you to follow me because i wouldn't but one of my most successful tweets is just me shouting about how excited i was that i got dungarees with dinosaurs on them And that was like, (laughs) oh my god, everyone was so happy. And I was like, this is a nice thing to have, actually. (laughs) People like dumb shit that's
1: happy. Yeah, (laughs) It's fine. There's a reason that
0: most of the internet is made up of cat pictures. Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And engage with the happy shit when you see it as well, especially among, like, black creators, you'll often see uh, their grief going viral whereas their success is don't because people tend to skew towards negativity and it's easier for everyone to be group outraged than group happy so if you see something you're like that's cute just press the like button yeah, just just press it it, do- it does nothing for you apart from add another thousand onto the amount of things you've liked and that's fine liking things is a good thing yes like support people and
0: exactly. if you want to see more of it you have to interact with it
1: yeah that's how algorithms works that's work. how the
0: algorithm works
1: in all the social medias if you don't
0: interact with the good stuff you're going to see more of the shit that you do interact with and i'm telling you now it's probably going to be the
2: negative stuff i don't even follow these accounts but i know them because i see them every day like gators daily it's just crocodiles and alligators just pictures of them and i don't know why but i just think it's so great like capybaras are always on my (laughs) twitter feed and then cats going goblin mode And that's like my life (laughs) i don't even think i follow any of them but they just consistently show up and i'm not mad about it
1: so keep happening (laughs) all
0: right uh last question before we finish up um do you have any horror stories from your work where someone was simply refusing to make good choices
2: sorry you cut out a little bit there or i cut Uh, out a little bit there
0: do you have any horror stories from your work when where someone was simply refusing to make good choices
2: Oh, yeah, my manager. <laughs> in a, Not in this job. Oh, my God, no, I love my manager now. Um, <laughs> so what is that? like, in... that's a dangerous road to be taking. Ooh, <laughs> no, in there. No. A previous manager uh, in a previous role um, was just a bad person. Like I don't know what to say. I I um, I had, I was having panic attacks a lot because I was being worked 12, 14 hours a day and then living in a hotel and then coming back to work 12, like every day, seven days a week notorious of course my mental health is suffering because of it and I started having panic attacks at work because I was you know having a bad time and she literally told me to come downstairs and get back to work I don't know what I was thinking like she didn't she didn't understand what was going on when I told her I was having a panic attack she was like right okay well I've made you a really nice um like a, a desk area downstairs and I was just like <laughs> great (laughs) i want to leave (laughs) in every way possible i need to go um and so yeah that was that was one of them um and then oh god she was just the worst (laughs) all of my extra time that i logged during that sort of uh six months was written off and i wasn't allowed to take it back so I, i i got paid the same amount to do uh about three people's jobs which was terrible um yeah, basically just had no support during one of the most stressful times in everyone's life. So it was um it was not fun. That was probably my worst nightmare. Um and then this person also um oh god. If you don't like her now, you won't like her after I say this. When um the uh, BLM protests were happening in London, she said, Isn't that racist towards white people? And I was like I need to go. <laughs> I can't have this conversation with you right now. Um And yeah, that was honestly part of the reason why I left as well. Cause I was like, you're just a terrible person, but okay. <laughs> so um mm. that was my worst one, I think. But there are horror stories out there everywhere of people being treated terribly at work. Um And it's not like, it, it's more widespread than you think it is. So.
0: Oh yeah. Um, Pretty sure we've all got, uh... <laughs> from just from what I know of uh, um, at least a uh, man and pan's experiences, uh, um, I, I know that we have definitely got horror stories to talk about for hours. But yeah, it's it's very yeah. common. It's
2: That's so sad though that we have horror stories, but we don't have like examples of really supportive workplaces. Well, we do, but like. They're few and far between compared to the horror stories that you have. I have a great one. I feel like I'm I have a, a horror boss. story right now with this. No.
0: <laughs> oh dear! Be your own boss. That's that's definitely the better way for. <laughs> mm. um, no, okay. I love my boss now. I have a great time. <laughs> well, that's that's the. I think that's the take. Good takeaway that we can have there is that just because. You have the horror stories doesn't mean that the future doesn't hold the the more positive uh experiences uh as long yes. as you get out of there
2: <laughs> exactly don't settle for bad managers if you have the opportunity to leave i know it's not always that simple but you you don't deserve to be treated like shit at work so
0: yeah.
2: <sighs> okay right
0: well That is uh, all we have time for today. Um, So thank you so much for coming and talking to us. Um, Is there any last uh, tidbits, words of wisdom, things that you'd like to leave us with?
2: Oh, God. Wisdom? Probably not. (laughs) Uh, No, just be nice (laughs) and uh, be mindful of other people as well uh, when you exist on the internet, I guess. I want to end on something happy. I feel like I've not ended on something happy. You just you're you're, you're worthy of love. You're worthy of of people giving you time and respect, and um, you you're kicking ass more than you think you are. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> All
0: right. Could I get uh, shout outs for uh Pan and our guest Rosie today, please? um go check them out go spread some some love um but yes thank you uh pan once again for for uh uh co-hosting as per um and thank you again rosie for joining us and talking to us uh your time is is your most precious resource and so we're we're very thankful that you you chose to come and talk to us uh today um so Next Through Our Eyes will be in two weeks. Um, My next stream will be tomorrow. Um, If you'd like to keep in touch outside of the Through Our Eyes podcast, go check out the social medias, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the various websites and TikToks and all of the things, and go join the various discords. Um, But yes, thank you all for hanging out. One thing from me, if you have sad or feel more down during the autumn months, be sure to dust off your lamps. No, okay. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> Good job there, Track. No, if anyone has seasonal affective disorder or starts to get more down during the autumn months, be sure to dust off your lamps ASAP because you're going to start needing them very soon, but you won't recognize it until you're already feeling depressed because you've kind of remembered. So get your bowl sorted out and get your lamps and your True. blankets and have all those things set up for reason they're there and you don't get depressed before you need them.
0: <laughs> but yes uh, thank you all for, for your time thank you all for hanging out I hope you have a good rest of your evening I hope you have a good rest of your week and uh, I will see you all soon say bye
1: all Hey